Hey everybody, this is the Savage Gentleman Podcast. I'm Josh, and Matt is not here, so you're going to have to suffer with me for the show. However, we do have someone arguably even better. We have Wes Taylor, and he is a wild Mustang trainer. And I didn't know there was a such thing. I'm not entirely sure exactly what he does, but he's going to explain it. West, what is it that you say you do? Thanks, Josh. You know what? Working with wild horses, it's pretty much taking this wild, fear-based animal and rewiring, kind of changing the brain patterns to where that animal now becomes a willing, trusting partner in that relationship where you can go out and you know put that horse to work, go out on a trail ride, go out and do those different things that this once wild animal would never even entertain. Now, I, I don't even... So... Let's paint a picture here, right? Because when, honestly, when I when I first heard that we had a Mustang guy coming, I thought we were talking about cars. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I, I like Mustangs. They're great. We're talking about horses, and, and a Mustang is a wild horse, which there are still horses that are running wild in America, in the United States, especially out here in the West, correct? Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's over 4,000 horses in Utah, even more in Nevada, California, Oregon, Arizona. You know, this these these western states have lots of lots of wild horses wyoming has a bunch wow okay and so your job is you you go out there you find them you round them up um, yeah the the uh the government agency the blm the bureau of land management is the government agency that's in charge of uh, managing or collecting gathering these horses off of the okay. range so you can't go out and just go grab one you can't grab them yourself no, not legally <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm not gonna say that doesn't happen so yeah uh, legally is uh, you'll, you'll go to a BLM uh, facility holding pens and select that Mustang out of that pen and then you know you get it home and somebody's got to get that horse manageable they don't it's still come, wild they don't come rideable like no you, you don't buy a horse off the shelf no and you're out not, the you're wild not, you're not going to download it. an app onto this thing and have it be done like that either it's you're in for a project and that's where where a guy like you comes in and and someone told me that you're one of the top guys in the nation at, at, at training Mustangs. Somebody's got to train that Mustang for sure. There's, there's lots of trainers out there and I've, this has been my, my passion and purpose and my direct focus of my life for the last six, seven years. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm in it way over my head. <laughs> I'm in. Now, you know, it, it's funny because you say that, uh, this wasn't your original career path. You were doing something else. You were, you were in it or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> You hear a lot of horse guys or that, you know, they're, they're third or fourth or fifth generation cowboy. You know, they grew up on a horse and, you know, right. they changed their, their first diaper was changed on a horse. That's not me. <laughs> okay. That wasn't me. Uh, yeah, I was, I spent 25 years of my life, you know, working. I had regular jobs and doing things. I was uh, an IT professional, so I worked with fiber optic companies, telephone okay. companies, cable TV, satellite companies. Uh, you know, in delivering that media content to subscribers, so I was anything but a horse guy. There was always a, there was always this Western flair about me. I mean, I knew I was a cowboy inside. All right, I just all right. knew that 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 cowboy kid was in there somewhere. I just didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to find it. Sure, sure. So, so how did you take the leap from doing IT and working in, in computers and sitting behind a desk to now sitting on the back of a horse and then training these, you know, twelve hundred pound muscle machines right into this this animal that now you can approach you can ride and 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 do all this with because that's a that's a 
that's a bit of a process. And it's a huge jump from one field to the other. How did that happen? Yeah, I'd love to say that I was just smart enough to decide I wanted to do something different, but uh, life circumstances put me under a ton of pressure, and, and that really forced me into, all right, I, I got to rebuild me. I got I to gotta do something different. So in, in the financial crunch that we, you know, a lot of us experienced in 2008, I was, I very much had all of my eggs in one basket, so to speak. Sure. And when that, when that construction in Southern Utah, I was in the St. George area at the time, when that started to happen, you know, there for a while, that whole year from 08 to 09, I thought I was going to kind of get through it. And I was thinking, man, we, we might survive this. We, right. we might get through. And, uh, yeah, in, in September of, of 09, I had one, one contract negotiation that was set to renew on the 30th of, of September and that contract did not renew and I didn't have any backup plan. No fallback Nothing. at all. Oh my gosh. Nothing. I had everything hinging on that. And when it didn't come through, talk about a, you know, lost soul. I didn't, I didn't Man. know, I didn't know what to do with that. Cause it, literally from September 30th to October 1st, I went from fully employed employees, functioning business to absolutely zero income. Wow. Right there. So man, and, and that that is a huge change life change, right? That, you know, hopefully none of us hopefully we don't have to experience that, but it does happen. And obviously it happened to you and there's plenty of other people. And so how do you pick yourself up from from something like that? You know, you, you've dedicated you know, a couple decades to this career. Now this event has happened where you no longer find yourself in that place how do you shift over to something new and how in the world do you go all the way to the other end of the spectrum i mean you said you had a flair for for western cowboy type thing but it's like man i just i just that's it's a fascinating process so please i you know it was a there was a key moment when i was standing there in the driveway of my you know, my executive home on the golf course horse property <laughs> you know i mean i had a horse at that time and 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 honestly, okay. I, so you were I, I, kind well, of horse-ish. You know, my daughter just hounded me to death about getting a horse. So I, you know, I bought a horse for my daughter, and because that's you know what you do. Sure, and yeah. so we had horses, but honestly, I mean, I, I barely knew how to put the halter on, and you know, I could saddle the horse, and I could sit there, and I could say, "Let's go forward," you know, and that that was it. Yeah. But as we left that that home, you know, after the that financial crunch and. Uh, <laughs> life kind of forced me into making some decisions and and when you're under pressure i really find that's that's what we're really made of what yep. what decisions yep. do you make under pressure mm-hmm. right it's it's pretty easy to make a decision when things are all you know butterflies and rainbows but what decisions do you make when it's the darkest hour and it's yeah. that gloomiest moment and i remember standing in in our driveway holding my wife's hand as we're you know the last you know, the repo men have come and got all of their stuff back. And, you know, I've yard sold anything else that had any value. I've hawked everything at the pawn shops. I've, you know, everything is gone. Guns. Man. I know. You sold every, I mean, so you, I mean, you were like literal rock bottom. Everything is, is gone. Like you, you, not a, not a penny to your name. Nothing. And, and no, no real plan in sight. So, you know, what, what was the light bulb that, that led you to training wild Mustangs? The, part of the motive in that, everything went away so fast. I, I really looked at it and thought, well, then none of it could have been really real. 
Hmm, if it can go away that fast, it was probably never real to begin with. And that really started me on a, on a path of reflection mm-hmm. and, and a, a path of reflection on myself of, well, who am I then? Because I had identified myself as, you know, this job title. Right. I identified myself with this house and this neighborhood and this truck and, mm-hmm. you know, this job title on my door. And I was volunteering on this board of that for this people and that people. And, you know, I, I was doing what I felt were all the right things. Sure. But for all of that to just get taken away overnight, then I just couldn't believe that that was even real. So I really started looking at how fake was I living my life? Well, it's easy to fall into that sequence, right? Because you kind of hear the narrative where you just go and you check the boxes, right? So, you know, I go to school, I get this degree, I get this job, I get this family, I get this house, I get, right? And, and, And I'm just checking boxes along the way. But at no point are you necessarily following your passion. I'm sure there are some people that are passionate about IT and fiber optics and that sort of thing. And if they are, then, yeah, more power yeah. to you. But obviously, you know, that was something that, that you came – you had this epiphany that, like, man, there was, there was a fundamental flaw in, in the path that you were going down. Yeah. And, and, you know, it seems now on, on the hindsight, right, that that, that that financial collapse, that cataclysmic event was actually – a great catalyst to vault you where you needed to be, kind of a blessing in disguise. A- absolutely. It, it, it really, I viewed it that way, hmm, you know, a few months after. I, I, really? I wanted so to start seeing fast. it that way. But there, there was a number of months there that, you know, I, I, I was hiding my family out in our house. I didn't want to talk to our neighbors. You know, people were coming over to see how things are going. And I'm like, don't answer the door, kids. Right. Pull the blinds. I don't want to talk to anybody. I mean, I was, I was embarrassed. I mean, the whole... You know, all the, all the man side of me said, yeah. provide for the family, right? right. That, that's it. You're, you're man. You provide for the family. Wow. That was gone. Mm-hmm. So I was really spun on, well, okay. I didn't even live up to that. Right. I, I, I'm not even doing that now. And, uh, you know, at the time when this happened, you know, my, my grandfather just recently passed away and, and his ranch house was available, meaning, you know, he wasn't living in it and. uh, so I, I reached out to my dad and, and his sister that owned the house and just asked, you know, can I come and regroup? Can I bring my wife yeah. and kids and just can I can I hide out in grandpa's house until I can figure out what the hell I'm going to do? And just kind of reset. Oh, geez. Yeah. I, yeah. I just didn't even know what to do. Sure. And so, uh, you know, we, we left and we made it to got to grandpa's house. And and uh, through that, I was kind of on a journey of, of my own self-discovery of of. Okay, if I'm not all of that, you know, if I'm not all of what I thought I was for the last 25 years, then what the hell am I? Sure. Yeah. And so I really was asking myself that question almost every day of, well, who am I? What am I? Why am I? And I just kind of kept with that. And, and over some time and through some through some uh, help of some other people, some coaching, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had some good people that reached out to me and offered me some, some good life coaching that, yeah. that really got me going. And, and I was in a... A, a group meditation and, and I, which was just really weird to me, really <laughs> weird to me. That was just so, you know, not my, my cup of tea at sure. all. But I was like, man, I, I'm willing to look. Anywhere. I got to do something. Right? I got to look. Somewhere. I, I'll try anything at this point. Yeah, yeah no, I get it. I, you know, I was, I was open to it because what I, I was able to look back 25 years and say, well, all that was fake. So I, give me something. I don't yeah. care. Give me yep. anything. Give me hippies and sunshine and bandanas. I'm in. You know, I got to figure this out. <laughs> right, so right. I, I finally slowed my mind down enough in this meditation that that, that I got a real clear message. Mm-hmm. 
and that message came from the Mustangs. And at that time, I didn't even really know what a Mustang was. I, I, I just didn't even know. But this this undeniable message just burned into my soul. And that message was that if I would follow the Mustangs, they had a journey for me. Wow. And in return for that journey, my role would be to assist the Mustangs in an honorable transition from the wild horse to the war horse. Man, dude, I, and, I just got chills. I'm not going to lie. That Dude, that is so prolific. Um, it, wow. I, 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 I quickly you know, scribbled it down on a piece of paper. I was yeah. like, I don't know what this means, but it feels super important. So I just started <laughs> scribbling it down, right? I was like, sure. I'll figure this out later because right. I'm in this hippie meditation thing, and I don't know, I got this weird Something thing. about horses. Yeah, I don't so, know. Like, so I, you know, I, I wrote it down, and, and I talked to my wife about it later, and I was like, I, I don't know what this means, but this is it. Yeah. I'm doing something with this. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing something with this. Well, fast forward a few weeks or a month or two, and I've got two Mustangs adopted. Got them back at my, my grandpa's place. They're in a corral. And I'm standing there looking at them going, now what? Yeah, yeah. Now what? Because uh, from from the way you were explaining it, anyone can just go to the BLM and you pay what a hundred, hundred twenty-five dollars, and you can buy yeah. your very own wild Mustang. You can get you your own piece of America icona right there. there you, go. you know, great. And, and just what, what everyone needs. What you've got is just a totally wild animal in your backyard that weighs twelve hundred pounds and can jump seven foot fences. Yeah, and so, can can kick your head clean kick off and your kill anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, so, it's like so now what? And and how did you? I mean, where did you, did you just go on YouTube and look up some videos, I, I, train horses? Like, I'm lucky to be alive. I don't know how I made it through. <laughs> I have no idea. I just, yeah, exactly that. I just started, all right, where can I get some, some intel here? What can I find? Who can share something? And, and I just kind of stumbled around, but I really, I took a whole year with this one horse in this corral and I just took a year and said, my life can't get any worse. <laughs> We're going to just hang out. All right. Fair We're enough. just going to hang out for a year. I, I'm just. And it, it took me a year for my mind to unwind enough that I could even begin to start hearing or feeling anything from that horse. I wow. was so tight, so mm-hmm. wound up in society and in marketability or, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, right. that, that type of mentality. And it just, you know, so anyway, we, we made like zero progress in yeah. that year. But I, I really started learning that. I'm I'm the key to this. I got to learn about me mm-hmm. in order to learn about this horse, this Mustang. And yeah. so I started lowering my guard. I started looking inward. Mm-hmm. Who am I? What am I? Why am I? Those were my questions I just kept asking myself. I didn't know what I was going to do in life going forward. All I knew was it was going to be something with Mustangs. Yeah. And I just stuck with that. Man, it's fascinating with with animals, you know, how how they can have such a profound effect on us as humans, right? Just the interaction, um, the introspection that it caused. Because I imagine, you know, at first you were, you, were, you were apprehensive, right? And you had all these things going through your mind. And that through that process of letting your guard down and probably, I mean, with an animal like that, you have to be present. You, oh, can't, yeah. you can't be off somewhere else thinking about what you're doing tomorrow or what you're posting on Facebook or whatever, you know, what, what Susie's doing over here, all that. So you need to be in that moment because this is, this is an incredibly dangerous proposition, right? At Absolutely. any moment, that thing could do damage. Yeah, and, and the reality of that is that this, you know, this wild horse, the instinctive side of this horse tells it that its life depends on 
this moment right now. Uh, yeah. And then the reality is my life was the one on the line. Sure. Sure. So I, things got really real, real fast. <laughs> Super when, real. When that's the dynamics, yeah. it's like, whoa. Well, and, and like, like, man, I don't know that I want to volunteer for this, but, but it, it, it does fascinate me, right? The notion for me and to most people to step into a cage and get in a fist fight with another human being, like, bro, you're crazy. That is insane. I would yeah. never do that. And it's like, well, yeah, but by way of comparison, that guy's the same size as I am. You know, I mean, he's, he's working with the same tools. All things are relatively equal, right? I'm not – they didn't put a bear or, you know, this right. almost ton animal – Right, that can do so much. They could do whatever it wanted to to me. I'm not in there with a horse or a bull, or right. So when I look at guys like you, I'm like, no, this guy's crazy. Now that's some serious balls to get in a corral with that. Me stepping in a cage is nothing. That is that is some serious stuff. And so, um, you know, how how dangerous are these animals? Just just for the listeners, you know, I you know, absolutely, you you they're very dangerous. And depending on, you know, the relativity of how close you are to them, yeah. it's not that they're aggressive. So it's, they can be, but that's not their nature. Their nature isn't to be aggressive. So it's not like they're going to you know, come run you down and get you sure. kind of a thing. But you, like you said, they're fearing their life, right? And, 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 you know, when you corner an animal, you know, an instinct kicks in and now you magnify that to a beast that is this strong and powerful, things yeah. can get pretty squirrely their their mind works you know they've got two options fight or flight those are the two built-in options that that guarantee them survival Mm -hmm. or they're dead so those are the two go-to things and under that that pressure you know there's a a life preservation a self-preservation that that horse has in its mind so depending on the pressure and its environment that's how it'll decide what it's going to do am i going to fight or am i going to flight for my self-preservation right now and, you know, in my training program, what I've got, it's, it's, it's very tight. My, my training happens in a 24 by 24 square pen. So flight is not a very viable option no. for that animal. No, it can, and this, you know, they, they can flight and they can leave, but every 24 feet, they got to make a decision because yep. it's not round. You know, oh. Typically horse training yeah. trails are round uh-huh. so that that horse can move freely and move around. I've, I've gone just 180 from that, that every 24 feet, I've, that horse is making a decision. Wow, is it finding so that's me? interesting. It, huh. So it's a whole different dynamic. It's yeah. very intense. Yeah. But then the training, the results become equally as intensified. So you can kind of picture you know, a, a pendulum swinging that pendulum. The, the tighter I can keep that pressure on the horse, when we get the release and that breakthrough in that tight of an environment, you know, our, our growth is goes even, farther. even further on the other side. Gotcha. So that's the reasoning in there with, oh, that's, with that. That's so, cool. That's cool. So uh, for... And, and again, because I'm not a horse guy. I mean, I, I've seen them. I've, I've ridden a couple times, but I don't know a ton. So, you know, you've got domestic horses, right, that, that is what we're most familiar with. You go to the fair and you see, you know, the, the horses there and you can walk up and you can pet them, right? So how drastically different is that horse between the wild horse, these Mustangs that you're, that you're bringing in? And then how far of a step is it from that, you know? So I guess from wild to domestic to war horse, you know, what is that? What what are the differences there? Yeah, huge difference. So a domestic horse, like you say, the, the ones that you know Grandpa had or your Uncle Ben had or yep. whoever that you you had around Good old it. Uncle Ben. Yeah, you know you had in the family. You know those horses have been domestically bred, so that self preservation, that fight flight mentality, has been so bred out of the the, the DNA of those horses. So a, a domestic horse, you know, you could 
relatively, you know, walk into a corral, even, you know, just been born or, you know, born in captivity in a corral, and you can walk in and touch them. And it's not move even trained. Yeah, and it's, it's just its mindset is very trusting in a sense, or that fight-flight self-preservation is very much removed. Okay. Whereas, you know, a wild horse, you know, you can be out in the desert and just see them, you know, two miles away and you open your car door and they're like, that's it. Wow. They're that, they're that skittish where they can be, you know, there's the, the, some are not as much, but that's the mentality. So it's that self-preservation that, that life safety and the Mustang, that, that self-preservation is on the surface. I mean, a you know, a a little sparrow can fly by and he's like, that's it. I'm out, man. Well, but I mean, it makes perfect sense from a survival standpoint, right? Absolutely. The horses that live are the ones that don't hang around to see, oh, I wonder what that is, and then die exactly. and get eaten or whatever, right? It's, you know, it's you see the same thing in hunting, right? The the bucks that grow up to be super huge, right, are the ones that are extra skittish. Yeah. The, ones, the, one, the ones that are a little bit more brazen and bold tend to not make it as long. So that yeah. evolutionary standpoint makes perfect Same sense. Same mentality. And that's what's kept them alive for you know thousands and thousands right. of years is just having that that instant just, reaction. Mm-hmm. So now, so okay, so we get a wild horse. We, we, we make it domestic, let's say, right? So now it's approachable. It's just kind of at the level of your average horse. Now how do you take that? to then a war horse or do you go straight from wild to war horse is that your process or you know, is there it, a, it, it really is we kind of go right from just that wild horse and dive right in and, and get to that that war horse or that super horse that you know it's that horse that can handle pressure yeah and that's my entire training program is is based around the science of how the horse's brain actually can function and, and the chemical states of mind that are going on in that horse's brain under pressure we're really just teaching this horse how to stay calm and to think under pressure. Ah. And when that horse can do that, that's that super horse. That's that war horse. That's that horse that says, I don't care what's going on around me. I'm, I'm focused on what am I doing right now? What is, where are my boundaries? That's, what's my role? Wow. That, that's super, super interesting. Cause that's the same kind of process that you condition people um, to, to go and, and, and get into combat, like combat sports, right? You, t- you take, you know, most people's natural instinct is to avoid getting in a fight, right? So you have to kind of go through this trial by fire and, and through training and, and learning, you figure out that like, okay, this is fine. I can handle this and you can operate under pressure. And you're saying that with the horse, it's very similar to that, which is very different. I mean, my perception of, of quote, breaking a horse, breaking a horse in, right, is that you just, like, basically break it down to the point where it just kind of gives up and it just surrenders and it's like, yep, this is my life. I've just – I've fought so hard and, and to no avail that I've just given up and you kind of change the psychology. But you're teaching it uh, – that's a whole different different mentality. A, an entirely different approach in, in horsemanship. And the, kind of the old school mentality is, is what you've described. You know, yeah. we, we did that with – you know, all through the cowboy era, right? All through those, you know, 17, 1800s, 1900s, we, it was a lot of that rough and tough, just kind of break them in type mentality. Yeah. We'll just overwhelm them so much that they just turn off and, and they just become this, you know, this horse. Yeah. And uh, where where we're at now in the horsemanship is but very much more in this, you, know, you hear the phrase natural horsemanship or horse whisperer, you know, you'll, you'll hear that type of terminology. What 
and, and we're in that genre. We're, we're there in that. But the science that we're using in, in using the chemical state of mind that's going on with that horse, we're really just getting those horses to find calm in the chaos. Man. So that whatever the... Because I can't train this horse to handle everything. There's just too much no, stuff out there. No, it's impossible, yeah. So I, I can't train it to handle everything it's going to encounter. But what I can train it to do is to find calm in the chaos. Mm-hmm. That's always available. So, yeah, so it's a whole different approach. Instead of breaking this horse down, you're actually building it up. You're building the confidence, you know, so where you're taking this very shy, timid, um, flighty animal and you're, you're teaching it in a way where it's like, no, I've got this, you know, I, I can handle whatever's thrown yeah. at me. And, man, that is, that's such a, such a really cool look, you know, in, into that. It's a great perspective. Um, and that's, that's what gets that, that war horse mentality is, is that horse that is so comfortable being a horse. It's so comfortable knowing I can get myself out of any situation because the answer is, is between my ears. Yeah. That's where the answer is. The answer isn't a cue or something from a trainer or from the rider or from something else. But when that horse knows I'm safe mentally, now that horse you can do some stuff with. Man. That horse you can talk into some things. Well, and, and, and so, th- you know, it's, it's interesting because I think us as men or it just as, as, as people, like as humans, right, that should be our goal too, you know, to get to that, that place of, of self-actualization where we are so confident because we know that the answer is between our ears, that we can handle anything, you know, and the only way you do that, right, is you go out and you practice and you learn and you fail and you fix it and you get better and you build that confidence. Um, but, but, but I think, you know, that's kind of the notion of savage gentlemen, right? Where we're trying to, to build up both sides, right? Of both the savage and gentleman to where you're, you're, you can handle anything, any environment, any situation, you're good to go. Um, and, and, and it's cool because you're effectively doing the same thing with horses. I think we could all take a lesson from that. I, I did. I took a lesson from it. Cause that's what I, as I was, I didn't get here because I'm, gifted with some horse talent training thing that You're no not, not at all i've <laughs> i've fought for this i wanted this so badly that i i mean i've i i told myself i am not getting a job i am not creating any financial income i'm going to just scrap by by anything i can do to keep the power on to make and, and to happen. put some food in the fridge mm-hmm. so that i can figure this out i wanted it so badly so in doing that i learned how to how to think and how to keep myself calm under pressure because my biggest nightmare you know man my my for me anyway was you know providing for the family and right. not having my family be homeless well hell that's exactly what i created yeah you know, we were homeless yeah we were we were out we were, of the house we were there yeah and so and i wasn't didn't have any income so i really found me in underneath that dynamic pressure of you know i'm not i'm not gonna die and vaporize and go away if, if i don't have this or that or i'm my wife and kids are still going to love me, even yeah. if I'm not providing what I used to think was my definition of providing. So I really found that I found my my core ground to stand on that I'm enough. Yeah. Just like just as I am, I'm enough. Now, that's, what am I going to do with that? That's that's huge. You know, ha- coming to that place. I mean, I think that's something that we all strive and to to get to. And some of us get there. Some of us don't. And even when we are there, I think we can continue to explore that. But coming to a place where we're comfortable with ourselves and and confident in in what we're doing and being okay with that is is so freeing but 
the only way I feel like you can get to that place is, is kind of a, a trial by fire, right? You have to walk through the fire to get to that point to realize that, hey, I'm not made out of glass, yeah. Right. I, yeah. I'm not going to just break and shatter and crumble when things go wrong. And, and once you come to that realization, now the sky's the limit. It's like, OK, man, yep, things are bad, but I'm still here. You know, now what? And, and if you have that fight within you to keep pushing on and keep improving your situation, you know, I mean, that's you talk about you. We talk about that in like survival situations and, and that's what you found yourself in truthfully i mean it wasn't out in the wilderness you weren't up stranded on a mountain but you were in a no shit survival scenario right in was, society right in my neighborhood it, yeah, yeah right in my own neighborhood and it was horrible i i, I couldn't talk about it for a long sure. time i tried to you know, I, I thought i was the only guy that that was happening to and so you know there was there was some guilt and some shame and and whatever you know i just was yeah, I just had no. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't. I'm a man. I didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> no, and 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 you know that's the that's the really hard part is you know we're kind of conditioned as men is just to hey figure it out man, you know sorry you know you, you don't talk about your feelings and and you know hey man you know I'm I'm kind of lost right now you don't say that no. you don't say that stuff no. right you, you're just expected to to push through and hope for the best but you know to kind of humble yourself right to swallow your pride and say all right you know what i, I need help yeah. you know whether that's to your buddy to your wife to to whomever and i think that's a that's a hard thing for us as men to actually admit hey things aren't going the way i i need them to and and i'm at a loss i can't do this on my own i need help and you know that that's a very that's a huge huge step and unfortunately i think a lot of guys out there never never come to that they just suffer in silence and while <sighs> You know, we want, and, and there's a, even now saying it, there's a part of me that wants to commend that stoicism, but at the same time, it's like, no, you don't have to just reach out, man. You know, let someone know that you need help. And, and you, obviously you found that you had some people that kind of help prop you up and give you some direction and some advice. Yeah. Just, just being able to talk about it. And once I could kind of hear other people, other guys had similar type situations or, or, or feelings Man, that just kind of helped open up. Like, I'm not in this all alone. This yeah. isn't just me. Yeah, you know, I still was stuck. You know, I still had my my issues there with being vulnerable. But what I did learn, and you know, and it took a, another life moment that that happened just four years ago. And vulnerability is one of the most powerful tools that I feel us men can tap into. Being vulnerable, yeah, is so powerful in in relationships and in building people well it, you know again that that kind of comes back um that that's part of that gentleman side right where, where you have to you have to be able to look inward and be introspective and open up right you can't just be a full-on savage um and 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 go it alone and just suffer and endure right i mean you can you certainly can there's plenty of people who do but like you were saying with the horses, you'll never reach your full potential. You know, if you can't tap into that other side, become become vulnerable and and explore and figure out who you are. And the only way you can do that is through vulnerability, right? Um, you mean you're missing out on a huge, huge piece. And you know, I don't want to get super touchy feely on this, right? But th there's something to that, man. And, and it's really cool to hear. And I think it's good for for other men out there to hear that like, yeah, dude, it's okay. 
You know, it, it's okay to admit that. It's okay to say, all right, I need yeah. help. You know, I, the horses really showed me this because the only way that training or that softness, that that wild starts to go out of the horse is that horse has to be vulnerable for just a moment. Mm -hmm. And then once that horse experiences that vulnerability and realizes that it was safe. And it's still okay. Yep. Then it, it can, die. then it can mm -hmm. risk being vulnerable again. Yeah. And then those little vulnerable steps just keep building and building and building. And, and that's how we end up with this war horse or this super horse is through vulnerability that that horse just keeps trusting a little bit more that it's not going to die, that it's yeah. not going to get hurt. And enough times of that, that horse becomes so confident in itself that nothing's going to happen. You can do anything with that horse. Yeah, man, that's so cool. And so you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but you're taking that same principle, right, that you're applying to horses, and then you've been working with some of the guys of Horses of Heroes. Is that correct? Yeah, we've been well. We've been building some horses for them. Horses for here? Is it what, so? Is it it's heroes? It's heroes and horses. Heroes yeah, and horses. Okay. Nonprofit I organization uh, based out of uh, Manhattan, Montana. Micah okay. Fink is the founder of that, and what a great organization! So we've been the last two years building mustangs for their organization, and then they they take these mustangs when we've got them to this this war horse mentality. We've got this horse that's ready to one. It can take care of itself. So now it can take care of somebody else. Yeah. But right. If it can't take care of itself, we're just, we're just going to cause a problem right. putting somebody else with it. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and that's the same kind of mentality for us as men, right? It's like, well, Hey, if you don't have your own self figured out as a man, how do you really expect to be the provider and leader of your family, absolutely. right? And be able to help them out or help your buddy out or help wherever. And it, you know, it, it kind of starts within and with ourself. And so, man, there's so many parallels. It's, it's, it's so cool. So you're getting the horses ready yeah. for those guys. Yep. So we just we just shipped six horses up just this week, and uh, they'll be out in the field with, with veterans here in about 14 days, and uh, they go out on 40-day backcountry trips. And so these veterans are partnered up with these horses. You know, for 40 days, that's your, that's your lifeline. That's your go-to. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there's a huge bond that's developed over that time as well there is and the, the the good news about the horse the horse's brain doesn't have this frontal lobe or this this cortex where we do all of our our thinking and our evaluating the horse is just right now just there's no past there's no future the horse wow. is just it is always this moment, in the moment just right now yeah, that's cool and then it doesn't have this this ego that cares what brand of shirt or buckles or boots or car you drive, right? It doesn't right. care at all. There, there's They're not nothing. picky about their saddle. They're there's like, oh, this nothing. Is, this is a Walmart saddle. Yeah. I'm not riding this. No, and so that horse, the the, the self-preservation of that horse, it, it's, it believes its life safety depends on connecting with this human at a core spiritual soul level, not at a, not at a material level uh -huh. or an ego level. You know, it doesn't care what you did or who you think you are. That horse will connect with you at your rawest core spiritual soul level. That's something that not many of us get to experience. Man, that again, like profound is is the only word that I that comes to mind to kind of just describe that because it's it's just it's such a such a cool thing and and you're know, talking about the science of horses right because that's kind of what you specialize in and you know it, it it's really interesting that this animal above seemingly 
all other animals has that capability to connect in such a way. Um, you know, we talk about dogs being man's best friend, right? I mean, every people know what it's like to have a relationship with a dog. You know how loyal and 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 what that is like. And um, I think you were saying that that from a DNA genetic makeup, they they have about a thirty percent similarity to humans versus, and, and we call them man's best friend, right? And, and, and a horse is like what fifty percent? Yeah, said? we're we're a lot closer in in makeup to the horse as far as our genetic. Uh, I, I don't loss of the word, but that, sure, we're, we're we're closer to them in that sense. And that, that I mean, these horses are what man built America with. That's what built everything of mankind has been. You know, through this horsepower, this this connection, this this tool in a sense, but mm-hmm. also this forging forward into the wilderness of life has been been with horses all this time. So yeah, these horses have a a very special spot in humanity. Yeah. And, and and I've watched these horses interact with people. They have an ability, and I this isn't science, because science can't prove this part, right? So I, I, I play both sides of the fence. I can be very scientific on one side and then I can be very spiritual on the other. Sure. Yeah, I've seen these horses interact with 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 men and women that have had their guard up, you know, with big brick walls, big massive fortresses out in front of, of who they who they are, you know, to protect themselves. And man, I've watched these horses just bypass that defense system and just go right for the heart. Wow. Right to the soul. And when that human experiences that bypass that all of their defenses were fake. Right, because that horse doesn't see him. Now, you and I, people, my ego will see your ego, and yep. my ego will try to play games with your ego, and we'll try to put all these fronts on of what we want each other to believe sure. about each other. But when that horse comes into that relationship and just bypasses that defense system and is right to the heart, that's a touching moment. Man, and, and that's and- that's how these horses heal. That's how these horses work with us and bring bring us into a a better state of being is by them connecting at that soul level. And when we feel that and recognize that that's a true, that's a truth. Mm-hmm. I just felt that horse at a very energetic truth level. It's hard to deny that. Yeah. You're, you're really, my wife's going to kill me, but you're really starting to sell me on this whole horse idea. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, you said you've got two wild Mustangs right now in your, in your trailer outside. Yeah. Right out in your parking lot. We, we picked them up, uh, at a client up in park city, Utah today. And yeah, they're headed to the ranch. And oh, so they're spoken for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, these okay, ones. Good, yeah. Good, good. Thank <laughs> I was like, man, there's a good chance I'm going to leave this place. With a we horse could be tonight. getting a horse. And, no, these ones are already adopted okay. and, okay, uh, good. they're just coming to my place to get that, get that wild out and get that war horse going. Yeah. And so, so they come, they train with you, you, you know, you, you build them up essentially. And now, now these people have this amazing, you know, horse animal to connect with. And what, what are they typically, I mean, what's, I hate to say end use, right? I mean, is, are these horses for companionship? Are they horses for, uh, what are you Uh, ended up doing with these? Typically my clientele is, you know, in, in the Western U S here, it's, it's recreational trail riding, uh, hunting okay you know just backcountry camping right. those type of horses but these mustangs can be and they have been trained by you know lots of other trainers in in all disciplines whether it's dressage hunter jumper showing i mean in in the competition world they they can they can hold their own in, in those markets so they can be whatever you whatever they're built to be that's the that's the beauty of these horses and they're they're so moldable mm-hmm. and and 
even even in a bad way. Th- these horses will reflect whomever they're with. Gotcha. So that's just how they work. So mm-hmm. they, yeah, it's their reflection of of what's put into them. Mm-hmm. Man, that is that is fascinating. That, that yeah. Okay, so we're we're gonna have to ride. You're like you're gonna have to go show me. I this that's definitely gonna happen. So stay tuned. You're gonna see you're gonna see Josh um, getting thrown off of horses probably in the near future. <laughs> um, just don't tell my wife because she'll be real mad. Because uh, I already do enough dangerous stuff. And then so I, I'm I'm gonna put a hypothetical to you. Right. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna totally shift gears. We're gonna get we're gonna get we're gonna get weird for a minute. All right. So what would you rather have to deal with? One horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Oh, man. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with one. One just seems easier than a hundred no matter what. You, man, you, I'm going with you one. Must be, you must be the best. You, you must be number one wild Mustang trainer. If you have the confidence that you can take. Have you seen ducks? Have you ever hung out with a duck? They are, and, and you're like, yeah, I'll train a train a horse-sized duck. I mean, a duck-sized duck is like, <laughs> man, have you ever been to like a duck pond? Those yeah. things are evil. They are. We, we actually got ducks at our place, so I might have a bit oh, of an advantage. So, you're also so a duck I'm ahead. I'm a little ahead not, on the duck curve. Oh, not a, not only a horse whisperer, but a duck whisperer. <laughs> All right, so you've got an advantage, and well, I was uh, yeah. All right, cool. So if I ever come across a horse-sized duck, call me. I will call you. Call I will me. call you. Um, and for you folks that are listening, if you want to get a hold of of West Taylor, how how can they reach you? Where are you? You know, social media is that's kind of the go-to, right? Yeah. That's where everybody's finding each other. Uh, my website is westtaylor.net. So my name is West, like the direction W E S T, and then Taylor is the last name T A Y L O R. So westtaylor.net is my website. Facebook, you can find me at West Taylor of Wild West Mustang Ranch and you know you find the horse guy with a bunch of Mustangs you, you know you've got me. Okay, okay. And then you're also on Instagram. You you're... Instagram uh Wild West Mustang Ranch is my Instagram and so you can check us out and follow us there. Yeah, so we can kind of see you at work and and see this cuz you talked a lot about the process and, and it absolutely is amazing, but this will give people kind of a sneak peek to actually see and get a frame of reference of what these horses are actually like when you get them. And then, you know, what they're like when you when you send them out after you're done with your training. And, and you know, this you were saying that this training is very cutting edge as well, right? Yeah, the science side of this is, is what's the new part here in this horsemanship for me. And I've a friend of mine, Dr. Stephen Peters, is a neuroscientist. So he's a brain doc, a human brain doc. And he knows the human brain, you know, every tissue and cell and fold in the human brain. He, he absolutely knows. And he also has a love of Mustangs and of, of horses. And so he's taken all of his human brain knowledge, you know, 30 years of the best scholars that he can be in front of learning about the human brain, and he's applying that knowledge and investigating inside the, the horse's brain. So he's dissected hundreds of horse brains to see how those electrochemical transmitters, how they're similar, how they're different, how this stimulus can get to this part of the brain, how it can't get to that part of the brain. And so through his research, he has shared with me how the science side of the horse's brain can really work and where that optimal learning range is. And that has been, I mean, once I, and this was four years ago that I really started looking into this science part with Dr. Peters. 
And once I started getting a handle on this and started getting a grip, it I changed my entire horse program. I mean, I scrapped it. We it, we took it to the floor. It's like wow. everything is gone. We are starting over. So I mean, and, and that's something that's really cool. And and I think it 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 needs to be stated that like you're you're someone that's not afraid to reinvent. And yeah. and you know when you when something isn't working, just to say you know what, boom, we're starting starting from the ground up. We're reinventing. Well, you know, just because you do something wrong for a hundred years doesn't make it right. Yeah, that's true. So. When, when, when things just aren't working or just not adding up or there's something better that comes in that I can look at the results and go, wow, this is, this is way better. I want to let go of that old whatever. Yep. And, and what's, what's new? What's, what's working? What's, so I look at it as what's the fastest, safest, most effective way to get this done because my life's on the line. Yeah. My life is on the line with this horse until we get, and I call it in my training program, this agreement not to kill each other. <laughs> until that agreement is signed and in place, the horse thinks it's going to die, and I'm the one that's really at risk. So sure. I've developed some training procedures and programs that will get that contract in place fast and safe for me and the horse. So, And that science plays a huge role in that because once I can get that horse's brain engaged in thinking and seeking out. So these horses can have a dopamine release just, just like us humans can right. with, with in our brain, a feel-good feeling. Mm-hmm. And I've just found how to create that dopamine release in this horse's mind or to set it up for the horse to find it. So I don't I don't give it the dopamine release, right? It's happening mentally inside, but I can set up the dynamic tension and then allow the time for that horse to seek out and find the answer that I want. And when it finds that answer, it gets that dopamine release reinforcing to the horse, mm-hmm. hey, you did the right thing. Hey, you did a good thing doesn't take very long for those horses to want to replay that situation and it doesn't take long before they're looking at me and they're saying hey what can i do for you can you give me a puzzle can you give me something to figure out Uh and then these horses just become addicted to learning and they become very calm because they're they're engaged Their, their mind is active and they're working they're not just doing step a and step b to get to step c these horses are problem solving they're working themselves through these dynamic situations and doing it calmly and then they get their own internal reward it's it's like the best thing ever for these horses that that it's such a novel concept right because that when you when you look at teaching right teaching other humans that's it's it's that process right absolutely so now you know through through science and research you guys have figured out that you can apply that to these horses to get the same results and um you know, obviously far better results than what previous methods would allow in training them. And that's, that's super cool. That's far, far, far better results. And in, in way less time, I mean, I'm, my training now of what used to take, you know, 30 days might be getting done in three or five. Wow. I mean, is that that's dynamic? Huge. It's wow. huge. It's, it's, things are happening at lightning just neurochemical levels and when you're dealing with you know neurotransmitters and lightning fast electronic communication within the horse's mind and body yeah things happen right now man that is that is, that is so cool i so here's the thing i i could talk about this for the next like three hours because it's absolutely fascinating and and there's so many stories you know i i just got a brief overview of some of the stuff that you've been through and and we're we're just about out of time I'd love to have you back at some point to to talk about some of these other things. I'd love to get out and and actually witness some of this firsthand. So, you know, for for you guys that have been listening and and following along and enjoyed this, 
Uh, have no fear. Hopefully, West can we can we get you back at some point? Absolutely. Okay. I tell you what, I'd love to do, Josh. I'd love to take you out to one of my favorite places riding, which is called Robber's Roost. And this is out where uh, Butch Cassidy, the Wild Bunch, all the old outlaws used to go and hide out out in the desert. And we found their paths, their trails into these old outlaw camps. It's just, it's a special place. Oh, man. It's very remote, and it's, but yeah, let's let's get you on a Mustang and take you out there, and uh, we can have some campfire conversations out there that yeah. are that are awesome. That 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 sounds fantastic. Well, Wes, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, everyone. Go check out West Taylor. He's got an Instagram. It's Wild West Mustang Ranch. He's on Facebook at West Taylor. And you can go to his website, www.westtaylor.net. This has been Josh for Savage Gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.